What's up, rap stars? It's your boy and your host, Romeo Santos, along with your co-host, Kenny Fulton. Welcome to the show today. Kenny, how you doing, my man? Doing great. Doing great. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So today, what we talked about, we were going to talk about. Yep, that's what I meant to say. What we talked about, we were going to talk about is (laughs) the 10 questions that every first time home seller should be asking because we've been working with more and more first-time home sellers that are jumping into the real estate market and taking advantage of this incredible phenomenon that's allowing them to really tap into equity that they didn't even have six months ago. And through this process, we've started to compile all these questions. So what we're going to do today is ask and answer those questions for everybody out there listening. So Kenny, why don't we get started? What's like that first question that you think we should be asking and answering as first-time home sellers? Well, just naturally, the first question when you have something for sale is how much uh, can I sell my house for? How much is question? And people keep asking us, well, how do we know how much we can sell our house for? How do we know where we should price it? And those are great questions. How do we tend to answer those for them? Well, the first thing that we do is we try to look at the data that we have available to us as licensed agents. And one thing that we have is the MLS and the MLS records every sale in your community. Mm. So we start off with our comps. So by looking at historical data of other homes, comps is a short word for comparables. Yeah. So think of it as uh, you know, as your competition, right? Mm. Like, you know, what other houses not just have sold, but maybe what other houses are for sale and how mm. does your house compare to past um, sold homes and currently uh, houses that are currently on the market? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. And so what do we do with that data? We, we compile the data, we contrast and compare, and then we help them come up with a, a pricing strategy. But ultimately, the advice that we really like to give is that we're going to show you the data and we're going to help to guide you, but we're not going to tell you what you should sell your house for. However, we may nudge you back in direction if you get too far outside of where we think the right parameters are. And so what's a good example of that? Let's say that the house just sold for 550 next door and they want to sell for 575. Yeah. So uh, one, one thing that we try to do when we're doing our, our buyers uh, consultation is to also help them learn from other people's mistakes. So our goal, our objective is to net the seller the highest return you know, for, for their home. It mm. doesn't always mean pricing your house at the highest. So there are mm. different strategies that we can employ. So Tell me one more. is we want to kind of estimate how much the house is worth. So let's say that we determine this house is worth about five seventy-five. Okay. Um, by pricing it right at five seventy-five, you also have to think from the buyer standpoint. Like, okay, mm. five seventy-five. Right now, many buyers know that you have to be competitive in order to win in this environment. So that opening price, really, you want to kind of set it at a point that will engage the, uh, the, the widest audience possible. Mm-hmm. So let's say the house, the, go- the seller's goal is to get 575. We've been averaging six to 10% above asking price. Yeah. And that's typically where offers come in. So by coming on the market at the very highest at 575, you might scare away some buyers who would be willing to pay 575, but are afraid that if, well, if it's already at 575, this place might go for 625. And that's just out of sure. my budget. So I'm not even going to look at it or the agents may not even take their clients out to go see mm. it or, or even in, encourage taking a look at the property. Well, let's right. say that they decide to come on the market at 550. 
um, that's going to open up to a wider uh, array of buyers. Mm -hmm. And you're more likely to engage multiple offers and then push the price up, right? So you might find that you'll get more than 575, even by listing below your client's uh, target or, or below your, your target goal. That's a great point. So so just to do some simple math, ladies and gentlemen that are listening to the show, Kenny just said we're, we're averaging between six and 10% over asking price. So let's say that we know that probably the top end of your market right now is 575, but we choose to list somewhere around 550 strategically, and then you get 10% over, well, 550 plus 10% is $55,000. Now you're at $605,000, $30,000 over the asking price, um, or over that original asking price that you were thinking, versus maybe not getting that high over because people are already concerned about appraisal and also how competitive they need to be with cash out of pocket over and above the appraisal. So great point. All right. So number two, what improvements should I make to the home to maximize the resale value? And that's a great question because there are a lot of things that people talk about what they want to do. And there are some things that they really should do. And then right now in this particular market, some things that they should not worry about because speed to the market would be their friend. What are some of those things, Kenny? Um, you know, well, you know, we, we say this all the time that, you know, kitchens sell homes mm. and, and that still remains true. Um, however, the, the cost of materials is also at an all time high as well. Mm -hmm. What we're finding that is, is, is if uh, let's take the same house that we're looking at. Let's say the best comp was at 575, but that mm -hmm. house had a brand new kitchen, right? It's mm -hmm. immaculate. It looks like 2021, but the house that we're bringing on the market, maybe it still looks like. 2005 right yeah. so we can use some updating you have darker cabinets and maybe the you know don't have all the the prettiest and, and newest finishes sure maybe by going and getting that kitchen redone that might put us back three months we might miss our best window to get the house in the market mm -hmm. rates might start to go up which will also start to suppress some offers yeah and like you said the cost of materials is really high so maybe mm -hmm. you're like okay well if it's going to cost me thirty thousand to to redo this kitchen Maybe instead of having that time off a of market, um, you know, potential, you know, missed uh, opportunity there, maybe just price the house, you know, respectively. So maybe you price it closer to if we're planning on coming on at 550, maybe we price towards 510, 520, go mm. towards the lower end of the market or look at some of the other houses that had kitchens that were also back in 2005, see where they priced those houses at and come on the market something closer to that area. And ultimately what might end up happening is if you put in 30,000 into a kitchen, you may not get that whole 30 back. Like the market is kind of really right. pushing things right now anyway. So you might be able to have the same net at the end of the day, uh, whether or not you uh, do these updates or not. So sometimes it's like, well, just let's make the house look good, you know, yeah. show that it has potential, uh, maybe uh, invest a little bit more into staging. Mm -hmm. and um, doing some high quality photos to get people in the house. Yeah, uh, But you don't always have to do these major renovations before you jump on the market. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, if you, if you opt not to do a kitchen, ladies and gentlemen, and then you price it lower, maybe it's not even 30,000 or $40,000 lower, maybe it's $25,000 lower, you're still gonna have multiple people bidding up and over because now you've opened it up to another market by being in a $25,000 less price bracket you're still going to drive the price and you're still going to get the money back. So some of the things that we've been talking about that are really important is paint the house if you need to do anything. Uh, if the carpets are, are, are in bad shape, replace carpets, or even better, put down some solid wood flooring or some sort of a solid surface. Really cleaning and decluttering and staging as much as you possibly can. 
Um, you may be able to do some small things in a bathroom, like replace a vanity, update a toilet, change out the faucets, inexpensive things that you can knock out in a week or so. We always say go for it. Kitchen, kind of leave them alone unless you're going to redo them. Kitchens are super expensive. Talking about the cost of products, you're absolutely right. I just got a, a note in my inbox this morning saying that in 2020, this month, a 200 square foot deck, the material costs you about $950. Right now in 2021, same size deck is over $3,600 for that material. Wow. Four wow. times the amount. Crazy. 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 Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Very good. So number three, um, is bigger always better when it comes to home sale improvements? Is bigger always better? Um I mean, I guess it kind of it might be a little bit more specific to the property um, as well. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd say in general, no. You know, yeah. if, if we're looking at um, like, let's say curb appeal, right? One thing that you might want to do is is to maybe look at um, um, the the marketing of the property. So I have some clients who will start on the inside of the home and maybe sometimes we should be focused on the outside, like yeah. get somebody inside of, of the home first. So even things like uh, doing your landscaping, you know, that shouldn't be a, a huge uh, mm -hmm. big thing on your, on your um, renovations. But right. um, there's some other very small things like, let's say you, you paint the house, right? That's probably going to cost you two, 3000 right there. Yeah. You know, if you have a, you know, average size house, um, I'll see people spend a lot of money on doing things like that. But then there's some small things you can do, like changing out all the light bulbs in your mm. home to getting something that's brighter and cleaner. Sure. And then changing the face plates on your outlets and light switches. Yeah. Um, those are very small updates that maybe it doesn't catch the conscious eye, but the subconscious eye will add some value there because those things look uh, newer and, and brighter. So it, it's not all about just, you know, doing huge, you know, over, you know, big big changes, whatever. It could right. be the small things that maybe you can even do yourself that could be a difference maker as well. Yeah. And again, you know, this, this market is so different from markets that we've experienced in the past where we would tell sellers, listen, the top sale in your community is $400,000. If you want to get $400,000, it has to be almost a fully renovated house just mm -hmm. to realize the market value. Whereas right now that is not the case. The conversations that we're having with our clients right now is, hey, speed is your friend. Get to the market. Make it look clean. Make it look fresh. Don't worry about updating anything. People are dying for houses. Inventory is what's key right now. People are willing to give up a new move-in ready house, and also they're willing to give up extra money and come out of pocket over and above just because they don't have any other houses to choose from. So capitalize on that. Speed is definitely your friend. All right, Kenny, what's number four? All right, uh, what if I don't want to make any improvements to my house before listing it? Great. So let's talk about the other side of it. So if you don't want to make any improvements to your house, that's okay, depending on the condition of your home. Right. If your home is relatively good condition, well-maintained, there's not a lot of deferred maintenance and you don't want to do any improvements, not a problem. But if your home has a lot of deferred maintenance, Let's say the bathroom showers need all the caulk pulled out because they've started to grow some mold on there and that should be replaced. Let's say that the floors are really scratched up badly. Um, let's say that the carpet looks really worn. Let's say that the paint is really, you know, an old color, it's dingy. Maybe, maybe it's just started to turn a little yellowish. 
those types of things are going to impact you at that stage. You still are, even though the market is what it is, you are still going to have people coming in expecting to get it for less because number one, if your house doesn't sell in the first seven days in today's market, people are already saying, Oh, it hadn't sold yet. Maybe right. we don't have to go crazy on our offer and we can get in there and automatically subconsciously those things start ticking off in your client, in the potential buyer's minds. So it's your choice. If the house is in good condition, probably not necessary to do a whole lot of upgrades, but if the house needs those upgrades and you don't do them, you are going to pay for them and you're going to experience less, less return. Yeah. I mean, you have to think about what your goals are. You know, if, if your goal is a quick sale, you know, then you could get a quick sale if it's priced right. Uh, but the uh, what I like to think about is um, the person who does the work should get the return and should get the reward in equity. So if you're like, you know what, I'm not going to do any of this work. I'll leave it for the next person. Also leave some room in that sales price for them to get a return and a, a reward through the equity. So, you know, if they're going to have to do $50,000 worth of repairs, don't say, well, I'm just going to price it $50,000 less. Would you do $50,000 worth of work just to break even? Probably mm. not. You know, that's not really going to be enticing for a buyer. So you just want to factor that in. Either you do the work and then you get the return of that equity or you leave enough space there for them to do the updates and get that reward of equity for the work and the risks that they're going to take on. That's a great point. And you know what? Um, everybody looks at value, I think, kind of in the same way everybody looks at a perceived value that if they're going to pay more, they want to get more. If they're going to pay less, it's because they're getting less. It's quite simple. Great. Yeah. All right. So here's a good one that we keep asking. Uh, how are you going to pre-market my house, Kenny? Yeah. I mean, that's really, uh, especially when we're having conversations with um, uh, people who start off as for sale by owners, people who believe, you know what, this market is so uh, forgiving. I could just put it out there myself. Why do, why do I <laughs> right. need an agent? And that's really a lot of times when we're starting to have um, this, this conversation because you are limited as a for sale by owner, especially in the pre-market pre -market capacity. So um, when, once we have a house that's coming on the market, you know, typically we get together as a team and we start to talk about that listing and, mm -hmm. and how we're going to, you know, make our name in that community. So it's yeah. not just about that particular home. It's also letting the community know that we are here um, that we have a great listing that's coming to the market that they could tell their friends who want to become their neighbors as yeah. well. So one of the things that we, we, we like to start off with is, is with our marketing materials is we want to have um, some great high quality photos. So um, with our premium listings, you know, we do high quality photos. Um, there might be a little bit of uh, manipulation to those photos and make them look, you know, pretty, you know, and new. Mm -hmm. If it's a, a rainy day outside, you know, we can make it look like it was blue skies. Right. Know? Um, another thing we like to do is we like to do our 3d tours and our virtual tours. Mm -hmm. So that way people have an opportunity to really kind of get a visual of the home before they go into it, especially with COVID, you know, we want to make as many opportunity for people to look at things virtually without having to go into the home. Yeah. Um, and we even like to do, uh, what's called a dollhouse view, which is where they stitch the images together and kind of give you like, you slice the house in half yeah. like this uh, really high quality. Yeah. Just like a dollhouse, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Image there. Um, we do uh, a ton of um, um, online marketing for the property. So anybody who's looking for a home, particularly if they're looking in the area, we want to make sure that we're going to come up on their Google searches and directing them to our website. Yep. Also through uh, Facebook, you know, marketing as well, mm -hmm. which covers uh, tons of other avenues. We want to make sure that before that house even comes live on the market, that the people, uh, this house fits their criteria, that they're aware of it. 
Yeah. And then as yeah. your agents, we're going to start working the neighborhood. Well, you know, we do a lot of circle prospecting where we start to call all the neighbors uh, mm -hmm. to let them know about the listing, to invite them to the open house and any special type of um, events that we might do around your home, especially that first weekend when it, when it goes live. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. And you know, uh, we, we target it, right. You know, we put the sign up in the yard, of course, we, we want to generate buzz. So we start receiving calls, letting people know that it's coming, telling them all the exciting things. We also have um, the ability and, and we do this, we market out to other agents. We send an email blast out. We call other agents that we know. We do everything we can to generate buzz. Our goal is to have people dying to get into your home by the time it hits the market. So that when we call for highest and best a few days later, we've got multiple offers in hand. Yep. I, I heard a great statement not too long ago from one of our colleagues where he did a video and he said, I keep seeing something on social media from all of my realtor colleagues saying, home sold, same day, full price. So what? Anybody can do that in today's market. We right. want to be bulldog negotiators for you, get you the very best terms, and of course, drive the price and get you the very best price that we possibly can get. So awesome. Now, um, how long is this marketing going to take? Uh, you know, the, the pre-market uh pre-market marketing. Yeah. Uh, we typically, you know, like two weeks would be like our minimum amount of time. Mm -hmm. You know, we can go up to 30 days going on the MLS prior. So somewhere within that range, kind of mm -hmm. depending on, you know, how much time we have in order to get the, uh, the house on the market. So if we have a full 30 days, that's great. That gives us enough time to really create competition, which is yeah. what you want your agent to do. You want your agent to create an environment where you have multiple people who are not just have interest, but also have an opportunity to put um, an offer um, on the home. So like I said, selling a house in one day may not be a win, you know, uh, did you give it enough time for everybody else who's interested to come to the home, check it out, talk to their lenders and get their offers in um, as well. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So um, this is another really good one. Number seven, and that was number six. How long is it going to take? Sorry about that, everybody. So number seven, can you, can you market my house without bringing looky loose through to see the home? That's a great question. Kenny, how do you answer that one for our sellers? Well, you know, kind of touching back on what we spoke about earlier with, with our, uh, uh, once we're getting the, the, the high quality images and doing the virtual showings. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're coming soon, you know, showings aren't allowed anyway, right? right. So that kind of takes care of that. You know, it's just the system prevents anybody from me even asking. A lot of times we'll get people who will call in from the sign that we put on your yard. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, well, can I just can I just come and see it? Whatever. Right. So until the house is up for sale, we can't allow anybody into the home anyway. Right. Um, however, by doing a virtual tour, by doing the 3D uh, images and things like that, that just in itself will give people an opportunity to to get a virtual, you know, uh, yeah. layout of the home. Uh, but other than that, you know, once the home comes on the market, can you sell it without allowing people to come to it? You can, uh, but if you put yourself in a buyer's shoes, you know, what's your perception of value going to be buying a house that you could only see online? You know, you yeah. walk in and even with the virtual showings, they're great, but they don't open up cabinet drawers and right. let you get the, the quality of that soft closed cabinet, you know, when it, when it, when it goes back, you know, with that nice cushion and all those kind yeah. of things. So you don't get like a full feeling of what the home is, but uh, that being said, uh, we do still have some control. So whenever somebody does ask, uh, do a showing request, 
you know, we approve those showing requests. So mm -hmm. we can limit the, um, the hours, the times that work for the home seller. Yeah. Um, and then we can also, in certain cases, we can require um, um, uh, proof that the home buyer is pre-qualified before right. we do showing. If we think that there are a lot of people who just, especially with our high-end clients, a yep. lot of times they don't want people who are just being nosy and window shopping. We might ask for either that pre-qual showing that the buyer has the capacity to buy. Um, and then and then even in some rare cases, uh, you can also ask for a, um, a personal financial worksheet just to show that this person has that, that capacity. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously that's a great point. There's different stages. So, you know, we can always just put simply in our, in our showing notes, agent to agent, as well as in showing time, which is our showing portal that allows the scheduling of those showings that the buyers must be pre-approved. Obviously that puts agents on a, on a, um, uh, uh, an honesty policy, right? And yes, as we get into these higher price point homes where we definitely don't want just anybody walking through, then that is like appointment required, proof of funds required, ability to purchase and consummate the sale required. So there are lots of different things that can be done. You just have to work that out with your agent. So buyers, uh, sorry, sellers that are out there and, and agents that are out there, make sure that you're aware of all these different ways that you can do that. And our biggest way of eliminating the looky-loo, which is impossible to eliminate at 100% unless you do require, but you don't want to require if it's a $350,000 house because that's going to put too many limitations. Although in this market, you probably could do it and get away with it, but we want as many people through as we possibly can. However, what we tend to do is we're live on Wednesday and showings are over by Monday at 10 a.m. and we are uh, highest and best due by noon. That's really only four and a half days that you're showing the house right. to anybody out there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So number eight, Kenny, what's number eight? All right. We've agreed on a price and gone into escrow. What happens next? Whoo, man. So much happens next. That's where our A team comes into play. Our A team right. is our administrative team, but because they're such rock stars, we call them our A team. They're a little bit of rebels too. Like the, like the A team was right now. Basically what happens is once you go under escrow, you're going to have the contract from the buyer's agent sent to the title company that they have chosen, okay? Once it's chosen, then they're gonna send that contract over, they're gonna send a copy to their lender, we're involved every step of the way, making sure that everybody's getting everything, making sure that the earnest money deposit is delivered to the title company, making sure that we get a escrow agreement signed, which is basically an agreement between the buyer, seller, and the title company, all saying that the title company is holding it, they, of course, if there are any inspections, they'll go through the inspection process. Typically, we keep that no more than three to five days if there is no way for us to get out from doing it at all. Then, of course, they're also going to be ordering the, the uh, appraisal. The appraisal will occur. And obviously, again, in this market, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that the, that the appraisal really is a moot point. It's just for, for them and for their lender. But if it comes up short, it doesn't affect us. They're paying out of pocket cash. Once we get through that point, then it's called the underwriting process. And so that's kind of our limbo period where we'll continue to check in with you week by week uh, and at any other point that you may have a question for us. But really, we're just waiting. And so we're yeah. waiting for the title company and the lender, the title company to abstract the title to make sure that they get a clean title and also for the title, the lender to go through all of their underwriting process to verify all the documents from the buyers to get that appraisal in. Then we get to clear to close. And typically, even in today's market, we're looking anywhere between three weeks and five weeks for a closing. Right. Yeah. 
Did I miss anything in there, Kenny? I think you got it all. That's yeah. Pretty good. That was yeah. Good. I mean, quite, quite a bit happens in there, but also not quite a bit. If you're a buyer, there's a lot of stuff you have to do. If you're a seller, once you go under contract, for the most part, you're just kind of waiting and responding, right? But I think that's a really good question for, for uh, new sellers, especially first-time sellers, to answer. All right, number nine. All right. The buyer submitted a list of request, requested repairs. Can I say no? Mm, great, great question. Well, what we want to do is we want to, we want to address that up front. So when we accept an offer, especially in today's market, we want to we want to take an offer that is either A, waiving the inspection, or B, it's as is without a right to negotiate. Now, that can be a double-edged sword because that as is without a right to negotiate also gives them the right to cancel without any reason. Right. So that's where we have to really make sure that we develop rapport and we have a good conversation with the buyer's agent to let them know, like, listen, they don't want to do anything. But also, if it's something that's large that scares them enough that they want to walk away, let us know and let us at least have an opportunity to give the sellers an option to say yes or say no. Mm -hmm. So the long and the short of it, can you say no? Yes, you can. But if they do have a contingency with the right to negotiate and or walk away and you say no, just be full well aware that they could walk away and then you'll be back at uh, ground zero starting the process all over again. Yeah. I like to think of this process uh, until you make it through the inspection contingency period, you're still negotiating Yeah. because that offer was made based upon their visual observation. So Great the point. buyer didn't have a chance to go up on the roof or get into the crawl space or really have a full understanding of, you know, what the, the health of the home is at that point in time. So anything that a buyer can do to strength, to basically reduce the chances of that sales price changing for the seller yeah. is going to be advantageous. So when you're on the selling end, you know, you can, you can also put your house up as is. You can say, hey, this is my house. It's for sale. Um, and it's as is. And so you're pretty much putting people on notice up front of like, hey, look, any offers that you submit, I expect to see some type of contingency that says you're not going to ask me to fix anything right. or give you credit for anything. Like Romeo was saying is that it does also limit your ability to negotiate. So on one hand, that could be a great strategy because you're kind of just putting it out there. Like, hey, look, this is just formality. Um, they still have the ability to walk away from the deal unless they waive that right. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you do limit yourself to the type of buyer who's not going to who's going to be open to taking on the risk of living with whatever it is that they find. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. Great point. And, you know, a lot of sellers will say, well, they can take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. Sure. That's true. They can take it or leave it. However, when your house ends up with more days on the market than what is customary for people seeing right now, you may actually find yourself in a pickle if you're back at the market. Not to say that you couldn't go back under contract quickly, but people are definitely going to have it in the back of their minds. What happened? Yep. Why? What did they, they find in that inspection? Brown. Right? Did they find something? Is there something I should be worried about? So it's not always the best case. And your agent should help you walk through that process to make sure that you make the right decision. Yeah. All right. So number 10 in our final one, and this one is a bit on the trivial side, yet it is important and it does happen. So I'm moving out, Kenny, and my buddy fell through the wall and we made some damage. What can we do? Well, you know, you have a couple options. The first thing you should do is communicate that to the to the buyer to let them yeah. know you know what's happened so that way if they discover it on the final walkthrough 
uh, that people don't freak out or feel like mm-hmm. you're being disingenuous by not letting them know that their home, you know, has been damaged. Right. Um, so after you've communicated that, then you, you have a couple of different options. A, you can just fix it, right? You yeah. still have the opportunity to fix it and make it look like it did when they made their offer. Um, but depending on what happened and the amount of time, um, you can either choose to do that before you get to closing. You can also put funds into escrow yeah. uh, for that buyer to use for themselves after closing. You can agree to, to fix it after closing and say, hey, I will fix this. But if it doesn't happen by this date, then you can keep those funds that are held in escrow. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there are a bunch of different things you can do. But ultimately, you want to make sure that you're making that buyer uh, whole at the end of the, the, the process. Yeah. Um, not just because it's, it's, it's the right thing to do. Um, but that's not what they agreed. So you can also delay your closing. So right. if you think about like, oh, well, I, this is just a little scratch. They can, they're probably going to paint anyway. Yeah. But what if they don't feel the same way? And now yeah. your closing is delayed and now you have to make another mortgage payment. You know, what is that going to cost you? So right. doing things, communicating, and then doing things in good faith for the buyer uh, should be our, your priority. Yeah. And, and I think that's key, the communication, right? If something happens, anything can be fixed. Nothing is unfixable. So if something happens, just call your listing agent, let them know, hey, unfortunately, Kenny fell through the wall when we were coming down the stairs with the couch. What do we do? Hopefully your listing agent has a uh, laundry list of good vendors that'll be able to come over within a couple hours and fix it for you. That would be the easiest. If you happen to move out right before settlement and it happens and you can't get it fixed, well, then you'll just put some money in escrow and they'll they'll get it repaired with the money or some other solution that will make everybody whole. Awesome. So Kenny, that was our 10. I think we got that through that pretty quick and pretty yeah. smooth. I think we've brought a lot of value to people because those are all questions that we continue to hear. Anything outside of those 10 questions that you'd like to share with all of our uh, agents and also sellers and potential buyers out there? No, I mean, I think it's a pretty good list. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Very good. Well, listen, that's been our show today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Rap Stars, this has been your host, Romeo Santos and Kenny Fulton. Kenny, where can everybody find you? Uh, Instagram at Realtor Kenny Fulton, or you can text me 443-763-0958. All right, very good. I've got a laundry list. You can find our company, Red Anchor Properties, at Red Anchor Properties on both Facebook and Instagram. TikTok, you can find me at Red Anchor Real Estate. Instagram, Realtor Romeo Santos, Facebook, Romeo Santos. And our website, of course, is www.redanchorproperties.com. And you can call or text me at 240-401-8023. Rap stars, this has been our show. Thank you.